It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I can't think of any team that I've been involved with ever that's more talented than the group that we have this year. I, I, I really can't. And the group last year is also, like, right there. I mean, these are – you can't have more talented, you know, physically, mentally, a more talented group than we're, than we're able to put out there. We're, we're very fortunate. We're, we're a team that has ability. We have to go out there and actually execute and prove ourselves um, more so than, than anything else. Rocco Baldelli, Twins manager, talking about his ball club. Welcome to Mackie and Judd. Phil is going to join us for um, Action Movie Rewind. I have seen my first Bond film, but that's going to be later in the show. Phil will not be at the outset of the show. It will be Zolget and uh, Declan Goff, who's producing, co-hosting, doing all of those good things. Happy, happy opening day, Declan oh, Goff. Here. It's finally God. here. Now, now, it started yesterday with two games, but as far, if you're a Twins fan, this is opening day. <laughs> White Sox, Twins, two nights. You, you know, you mean six innings, too, uh, of Nationals before, for, I'm not even a big spiritual guy, but before well, God stopped the game. I want to address something about that. Okay. But, but anyway, we are to opening day. Barrios, Giolito for the Twins, White Sox. In Chicago, the Twins will open um, the home portion of their 60-game schedule on Tuesday, I believe, against the St. Louis Cardinals at Target Field. Uh, but you know what? There was a lot of question, whether it be COVID-19 related, whether it be um, financial fallout because of Manfred and the owners and the players, blah, blah, blah. There was some real question, I think, probably you know in May into June, Declan Goff, about whether we would see this day in 2020. And uh, I would say that in fairness, this is uh, I'll take what I can get season. So I get 60 games. Yep. Like, it's not perfect, right. but I will take it. Yeah, absolutely. I just want baseball, dude. I And I, I don't care that. I kind of like that it's a sprint. I kind of like that everything's heightened, and it's essentially like a mini football no, season. It, football-esque, it was heightened. Football-esque with uh, it being 60 games. And with this now, expanded playoffs, that changes the whole game up with, with how we're going to look at this. So I'm just excited that we get to watch baseball. I'm going to crack a few claws open the night, uh, more than a couple, actually. I'm going to just sit there. I'm going to watch baseball. It's going to be great. I can't wait. This is this is all I've been wanting since basically Josh Donaldson signed six months ago. I know. So I, I, it finally can happen. So I, I definitely want to get to the prospects uh, for the Twins. I definitely want to get to the subject, Declan Goff, of the expanded playoff field. But let's start with a couple things off of the first game last night. The 
Dodgers-Giants is just awful. I mean, the Giants uh, are awful. The Giants God. don't care, and I get that. Um, but that game is not worth discussing. But I do want to get to a couple things off opening night, opening game. Scherzer v. Garrett Cole yeah. in Washington. Big matchup. You know, World Series champion, Nationals, the flag the flag goes up. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun since there were no fans. But, anyway, uh, point number one off that game. How on brand is it for Major League Baseball, its first game, and it's a good, you know, it's yeah, a good great, game. We're talking, matchup, uh, we're talking, uh, sit down in your case, crack open a claw in my case, a surly and watch a game. Uh, and baseball is back and your home plate umpire and now a crew chief because a lot of umpires had to bag out because of, um, they weren't comfortable working in the, during a pandemic. The crew chief and home plate umpire is Angel Hernandez. And, you know, it's like you couldn't have scripted it any more Manfred style down to immediately, Dex, on Twitter. You're seeing pictures of what the strike zone is Dude. and what the strikes are from Angel. Like, how seriously, like, if you were to be like, if you were to say, and this is a sport that we both love, right? Like, yep. you love, baseball. love you're, baseball. You're young and you love baseball. Yes, I'm weird. And if we were to say... Okay, let's let's do all we can in 2020 to script a sport that we both like a lot as a punchline. You know, like, what can we do? All right. Let's, during a pandemic, have finances almost ruin the season. Yep. That's a pretty good punchline. You know, that, yeah. that makes baseball look stupid. Okay, okay. That, that's done now. Mission accomplished. <laughs> they're playing. They, they could have played more than 60, but they're not. Mission accomplished. Okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? Who can we put behind home plate for, the, for opening night? And a big game. I'm not talking the Giants-Dodgers game. Because if Angel has the plate on that, I almost don't care. Mm-hmm. Who can we do? Who can we do? Joe West? No, no, no. I'll do you one better. Angel Hernandez. God. Like, what are you doing? That that call two balls off the outer <laughs> half of the plate. I mean, it's it's clear as day that that ball is about a six inches to a foot outside. And of all the new things we're trying in baseball, and with umpires ump- uh, opting out and players' safety being heightened up uh, to to the nth degree obviously robot umpires would have been the perfect perfect thing well and and we and saw those, and those guys all were on strike look, like you th- this could have been great this but, could have been great but we saw from the use the attempted use of trackman to call balls and strikes during the intersquad games at target field that the, the robot thing might be a ways away like it's not perfect yet i get all that I'm just talking about putting someone who can call balls and strikes halfway, yeah. halfway deep. I'm not saying no mistakes allowed. I'm saying you just allowed your one of your worst umpires, a man who I don't to this day understand how he has a job doing this. I, I'm with you. I don't understand it. You just gave him Scherzer Cole. The two best pitchers in baseball. Second point off that game. <laughs> okay. Another, another baseballian thing. And honestly, Dex, they have now. They basically have taken our guy, Bettman, and been like, Gary, 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 <laughs> Gary, you think you're incompetent? Hold on a second. Hold our beer. Hold hold our six-pack, okay? So the goal, and I get this, the goal baseball-wide this year is to have players show up basically as late as they can at the ballpark. They don't want, they don't want people gathering during a pandemic. Makes sense. Perfect sense, right? Yeah. So what do we have? We have a torrential downpour in Washington. Yeah. I mean, the basically God's like, no, you don't, you guys don't get this. I really don't like sports. So here's your opening Here you night. Go. Bang. Um, torrential downpour. Like you could have said right now. So I'm not talking 2015. But in the age of pandemic, you could have said within 20 minutes, 
we're not playing again. Like, it's not worth it. Uh, lightning, a downpour of epic biblical proportions. <laughs> what do they do? And I saw this tweeted, and people were right. Yeah. By some smart people. Yep. They decide they actually waited longer than they had played before they banged God, that dude. game. When they have said clearly and wisely, we don't want people, including our players, gathered. Yes. yes. So now but now we're going to tell them, and again, a group of mostly younger men, you know, they're in a lot of them are in their twenties. These are not these mm-hmm. are not clear thinking uh, discerning forty-year-old men who can also very, be very dumb. I know those uh, guys well. Yeah. yeah, but they are—they are telling them, just wait, just wait, and just wait. Why wouldn't you put in a rule? In fact, they should do this today, within forty-five minutes to an hour. Let's say we will make a decision, and after that, we don't care if it stopped. It can—the sun can come out for this year too. Everything's for two thousand twenty. Like, why do you, why are you doing this? It, what are you doing? It makes things a lot more difficult. And then, and then Vaskersian and whoever, and I think it was Vaskersian and A-Rod on the, on the call, the initial game. It was. Um, of, of them being like, well, you know, they actually can call this because it's uh, past a five and a half. So it can be an official game. So I don't know why they aren't calling this. Like, yes, just call the bleeping game. It's, it is, for the lack of a better word, coming down out there. I almost, I almost said something else. It is, it was absolutely downpouring. There was no reason to be continuing to play a baseball game. You just should have just ended it. And I know it's Scherzer and Cole. I'm sure Scherzer is still absolutely banging his head against the wall. He wasn't able to go back out there and finish his game because sure. he's Max Scherzer and he's clinically insane. Sure. And we are all looking forward to our first baseball game in literally 250-some days. The last time I watched a baseball game was Game 7 on an airplane to New York City. So, like, I, I'm like, I'm trying to absorb, like, man, the last time I watched a game was on an airplane. Now I'm watching a game for the first time in 250 days, and I'm super excited and it gets cut off by rain after five and a half. Uh, it, it is. It's going to be weird. This it, it's on brand. It's a it's a weird baseball. This is what baseball is going to be like in 2020. But yes, I wish people still would be better and understand that if we're going to do this, if we're going to follow these new guidelines, right? Follow them. But put in a rule then. Yes. Like there should be a rule. We will wait a half hour. I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour, and then we will call the game because we are telling these people like the message. If I'm a player, I'm like. They're not really serious. And as soon as I think that, now it's on. Now I'm probably going to go, go do something dumb because I'm saying, well, hold on a second. I got all these rules from baseball, but I'm sitting in this godforsaken Nationals park for how long, waiting on a rain delay when they told me they don't want me here early. So those are my two things off the Nats and Yankees last night. All right, Twins White Sox tonight. Mm-hmm. When I did my morning Judd Declan Goff. On, on Thursday morning. Yes. I did it about the fact that Homer Bailey was coming off a very bad start Wednesday night in the exhibition game, which yep. doesn't kill them against the Cubs, all right? But the the morning judge was based on this fact. It's a 60-game season. It's a 10-team playoff, okay? Follow along here because this is Thursday morning. And I said... There's no time to dilly-dally here. Like, there are 10 playoff spots, five in each league, available. And if you have, if you throw Homer Bailey out there for three or four starts, in 162, no big deal. In 60, huge deal. Huge deal. So decisions are going to have to be made by uh, Falvey, Levine, and Baldelli based on a very small time period to get things right. All right, that was Morning Judd on Thursday. In essence, it was panic, panic, panic. Which is, again, on brand for me. 
If you go to Twitter right now on the Score North um, account on Twitter, you will find a morning Judd telling you to forget everything that I told you on Thursday. Because as we, we record this on Friday, we now know that baseball on opening day, this is another, I love this. On opening day, baseball announced that they are going to go to a six-team, 16-team, 1-6, eight-in-each-league playoff field that will take the three division champions, okay, the three second-place teams, so now we're to six, and the next two highest winning percentages in each league will go into the playoffs. Now, the playoff field so thus has been expanded. They're still going to be done by November 1st with the World Series. But the point being is the panic that I felt about the 60-game season on Thursday is largely wiped out by the fact that by Friday morning now, the Twins are, and I know you hate to hear this, the Twins are basically a shoe-in to make the playoffs. Now, here's the danger. And, and this is the thing. So so I immediately saw our guy, Mackie, very excited about oh, yeah. the expanded playoff field. Okay? Aggressive Mackie, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stay woke. Now, now, here's the problem. Originally, I think when we talked about this, and baseball considered the expanded playoff field in the earlier negotiations with the MLBPA. And, of course, those fell apart completely, and the PA eventually said, give us the schedule, bleep your expanded playoffs, we're going to have the old 10-team format. Well, now, now with the 16-team, the earlier talk had been, we're going to reward the division champions, or we're going to try and reward the best teams with buys. Yep. We're not doing that now. We're going to have an immediate, and this is going to be, hey, look, if you're a fan, it's going to be fun, but you're going to have an immediate 16-team, everybody in playoff field. That's going to be 1v8, 2 versus 7, 3 versus 6, 4 versus 5. We're going to have that, and it's going to be three-game series, and everybody is going to play immediately, and the advantage that the better team higher seed gets is home field in front of probably no fans for all three games, okay? The venue thing doesn't really... So get but but here's where here's where I caution you. If this excites you, don't come to me if the Twins have a great 60 game sprint, win 45 games. Oh my god, the Twins are going to be great and then they have a bad two games and they're bounced from the playoffs. As a fan, I think <sighs> the deluge of games Declan Goff is going to be fun. Yeah. And and you know what? I am and I've said this um for a while now and it's being it's being said, I think, by more people at this point, and I am on board with this completely. This is the year, and, and this playoff expansion right now is only for 2020. This is the year where if you're going to screw around, like just make stuff up, make it up now, because this season to me doesn't really carry a ton of weight. But all that being said, in what they're going to do, if the Twins go in to the playoffs, and let's say they're a one or two seed, and the pitching's not good, and they're gone, don't come back to me and complain about this. Well, I mean, it's just like any other three-game series. I mean, the, the, you could theoretically lose any three-game series to Detroit Tigers. You could drop one of those very quickly. Absolutely. Even if you play well. And that's that's what we're going to have to be at. I mean, last year, I believe, or they, they showed the graphic yesterday on MLB Network that if it was eight teams, the Rangers would, I think, would have been the eighth team, and they were like six, seven games under oh, yeah. 500. We're getting a couple sub-500 so teams So we're going to get... Probably, yeah, two, if not three, sub-500 teams. Because even in general, like, as much as bullish as we are on the Twins, like, I think 35-25 is probably a realistic record. Like, and, and if you're talking 40 and above, like, man, they crushed it. I just don't see that happening. Um, So, 
the fact that it would be the Twins win 40 games or so and then have to face a Texas Rangers or an Oakland Athletics team or even a Chicago White Sox team that was under 500 or so, man, that's going to be peak Minnesota sports. It's going to be peak Minnesota sports. We get our hopes up. We were one of the best teams in baseball, and we couldn't finish off the, you know, Chicago White Sox in a three-game series. Absolutely. But, yeah. but you know what? I, I'm here for all the craziness. I'm honestly here for well, all the craziness. But does the craziness stop at 2020, or is this all a plan, which I think this probably is? Because here's my thing. I'm here for the craziness this year, but how do you feel that if we, and this will probably take a work stoppage at some point, but let's just say in 2023 we come back, new 10-year CBA in place, Declan. How do you feel if this is the playoff format after a 162-game season in 2023? Because if you don't give buys or something or find a way, Mm -hmm. I just don't see how you don't reward more than saying here's three home games. I don't see how I don't see how this feels if I'm a team like this is a, oh yeah great idea. Now financially I get it. TV's going to like it. it. Yep. But how do you feel normal season, let's say it's 2023 yeah. and the Twins are still really good, which they might be. Right. And now they've played 162, they've been damn good and they're playing a three-game series. Look, I I think um just like hockey, that they're using this as a testing ground for what they can do in an expanded, normal, regular circumstance season. I don't believe it'll be 16-team format. I, I don't believe that'll be it in a 162. Um, but I do believe they are going to expand the playoffs, if not tinker with how the playoff format works. That's exactly what they're doing here. There, there's no way, I mean, for all from what we have understood, in 2021, in a normal 162, normal season, normal world, no global pandemic, they're going back to what we've always had in baseball. But then the CBA runs out. So then we have to do a new CBA. So what they're doing right here is they're using this as a testing period sure. to see what they can also implement. And when we asked, when we talked about this with Matt Dumba and with Bill Guerin, we asked him the same question. Dumba said, I hate it. I don't want anything to do with this in an 82-game season. I don't like round robins. I don't like expanded playoffs. It's a, it's a marathon. We should be able to prove that. Guerin had the exact opposite. And he said, yeah, this is awesome. I think we should be doing this in, in a normal season and, and not just because... It's a circumstance. So how owners and players look at that, that's going to be another bargaining chip on probably, for, unfortunately, for, for how we get a CBA done. I think the baseball will expand. I think I know the wild card game has added intrigue. as a the, the, It's like one of the only baseball purest things in me that I hate. I really hate the one-game playoff. I just think if a team won 93 games and the other team won 89 games, that 89 team game, 89 team should not have to go to the playoffs. They should, they're out. The 93 team, 93 win team had a better season. So why the hell should they have to prove it over a nine inning game? Cause it's fun. Because That's it's why. fun. And right? it makes money and TV loves it. That's yeah. why. But here's the thing. I think I like it. you're exactly right. The, the baseball playoff format is going to expand. I guess my question long-term is when they do expand it, are they going to find a way to at least reward the best teams? Because putting them in an immediate one, I mean, they are right now. They are hockey. Like this is as hockey as you could possibly get. You've got a random game. Yep. You know, in 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 our sport, it, it can depend on goaltending. In baseball, it depends probably on pitching, right? Um, but you are in a three game series in any sport to me might be fun for the fans, but it seems grossly unfair. But I think you're right. I think the baseball playoffs are going to expand in the new CBA, absolutely for sure. But I think you have to find a better way to at least reward because the one thing about the one game wild card is 
they were both wild cards. Like now you're talking about throwing the one in against the eight and the one probably had a great season. The eight could be sub 500, but the eight could knock off the one. And I don't know. I don't know that that's the best idea. And plus, if I'm a TV executive, I probably don't want you telling me that on any consistent basis, the one can get bounced. Because let's say it's the Yankees, right? Like, I I don't want, let's, if the Rangers upset the Yankees, okay, once that's probably cool and fun. uh, But if that happens a few times (laughs) or the Dodgers get bounced, right, right. I want those markets. Mm hmm. So I think you got to find a way to protect the better teams. Um, but yes, the playoff format will expand. Yep. The DH will be in both leagues. Good. I mean, no matter what happens, that's coming. Good. I think that three. I think having a pitcher have to face three batters is going to stay. Yep. Like there's just things that are going to stay or, or be expanded to. But I, my basic objection here about doing this now is not that it's being done for 2020. It's again baseball. You you're doing this on opening day, like you're coming back to me. You know, I already have all of my thoughts about the season, right? About how it's going to be the sprint. And to mm-hmm. your and to your to your point, Dex. Okay, I've accepted that sixty game sprint. Ideal, no, but interesting. Pressure on teams, really, really high. Until I find out there's sixteen playoff teams. It, it's it's as if baseball has just spent this year saying. What's the next punchline for yeah, us? Yeah, F it, honestly, is exactly. what they're saying. Honestly, exactly. That's honestly what they're saying. Uh, so it's crazy. Your thoughts, and you alluded to this, and I think we're probably going to be in the same area on this one. Your thoughts on what the Twins record in 60 games will be and if and how they will, because they will, how they will qualify for the playoffs. I think the Twins are probably looking at 35 to 38 wins. I think that's, and that might be conservative to a lot of people, but I, I think that's realistic. I think, I in, baseball, think, I think, think in baseball, it's realistic. No, that's fair. That's um, totally fair. And I'm, 40 I'm, wins. I'm very bullish on this team. Yep. 40 wins would be impressive. You went 40 and 20? Yep. That is insane. That's a six, six, that's literally two thirds of a winning percentage. That's insane, dude. You're, that, that would be a very impressive season. So I think the Twins are probably locked into one of the top three seats. Anything less of that would probably be surprising. Um, I'm curious to see who they would get. I think it'd be a lot of fun if it was a divisional opponent. I know last, I know again when they showed that graphic last year, if this was the case, the Twins would have played the Indians. And how fun would have that been? I mean, probably advantage Cleveland because of their pitching staff. <laughs> yes. But it would have been fun. Yes. It would have been a lot of fun. Um, my question to you on this season is, especially on opening day and and for the first few weeks, where in the order do you think Josh Donaldson? Most likely hits second. Second, I think it's a done deal. It's it's so fun. It, it's it's cool. I'm not I'm not uh, ragging on it because I think it's amazing how much baseball lineups have evolved in in honestly the last five to ten years. That how the second person in your order is now arguably your best hitter. Mm-hmm. It, it's gone from four to two. Every, every well, from the, three from three. Your your sure. power was four. Your your best pure guy at the plate was three. Yeah, and now he he's two. I, I think against I think against left handers, Mitch Garver hits one. Donaldson hits two. I think against righties, it's Kepler one, Donaldson two. Yeah, I mean, and even looking at that, I, I will say, I when watching that Dodgers uh, game last night, they're doing the starting lineup, and that that the Dodgers is the only team that have a better lineup than the Twins. That Dodgers lineup is absurd. I I will probably safely say that that lineup is better than the Twins, hands down. It is it is so good. Twi- Twin, Twins are top. They're two. I, I I would say they're probably two or three. Yankees are probably Yankees are, are impressive. 
But I would Houston's I would, going to be pretty Houston good. Houston still will be good despite them being dirty, disgusting cheaters. They're still really, really good. Well, they're good and they cheated. Yeah. So that's so that, that's fine. But that Dodgers lineup is insane. I think yep. I'm curious to see how how it shakes out. I love it's just like lines in hockey, Judd. I I, I love we're, we're here. We're the meat potatoes of sports. So I'm, I'm I'm obsessing over over things that I probably shouldn't even get bent out of shape. So about. Kepler, Donaldson, Cruz, Sano, or well, you probably won't be ready to play. Sano probably plays tonight. He might. Play I, I bet. I bet he plays first base. He probably bats fifth, right? Probably bets fifth. So who would you bet? Who would you bet for? Mm. See, that's where that's where I think I would probably go: Kepler, Polanco, Donaldson, Cruz. Okay, and then Sano, Rosario, Garver, Arise, Buxton. Yeah. Well, Center and the thing with Rocco is one, he ain't going to tell you. <laughs> no, won't tell you. And two, he'll switch it up too. But I, yeah, I think he's going to start the season batting Donaldson second. But the great thing about it is these guys, from an offensive standpoint, are so good that as long as they maintain their health, Dex, it doesn't matter. I know. It doesn't matter. And the one thing that we've learned, I think, in the last few years about lineup construction is this one. You can mix and match and do whatever you want. Like, we used to be so wedded to where guys should hit, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that is, for the most part, gone now. So, yeah, things might be ideal, but, you know, 20 years ago, if Luis Arise did not bat leadoff, lead right. we would say, what the what, hell what are, are you, you doing? doing? Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Are you doing, what is going on? Um, so, back to what we, our Twins predictions. I think they win 34 games. Yeah. I think they win the American League Central. Yeah. I think the White Sox are probably on their heels. I think Cleveland's probably third, but I'm also not going to be completely shocked if both of the seven, eight seeds come out of the central. I agree with you there. Um, And then, and then I love the point about if the twins played Cleveland in the playoffs in a two or three, I'm probably picking Cleveland. Well, if Clevy is healthy, I mean, Clevinger is probably a Cy Young. But, you know, Savali is good. I mean, they've got, look at that rotation. Yeah, it's good, but I, I would... Kluber's s- gone, and it's still good. It's still Plezak's, really good. Plezak's kid is good. It's still really good. I think Clevinger is far and away a better ace than Barrios, but outside of that, I, I do think that my, it comes a lot closer. My problem is not... And um, I don't think Cleveland can hit. My problem... Outside of two guys. My problem is not Barrios. My problem is the matchups the next two games, possibly. See, I feel I feel pretty confident in guys like Rich Hill, and also just how you're going to bolt. But you're assuming, things. but you're assuming Rich Hill stays healthy, and I've I, I've got more faith in Cleveland's. I've got more faith in the depth of Cleveland Cleveland's rotation to maintain than the Twins. Yeah, but, but I also just Odo's hurt already. I also, but on the flip side, I don't trust Cleveland's lineup outside of Lindor and and Ramirez. That line, everyone else in that lineup is replacement level players, yeah, except every single one. Except my problem is in in a three game series, and we saw this. Last year, in a three-game series, if things start to go wrong, it's a hockey thing. Teams start to hold the bats, or in hockey, the sticks tight. That's my problem. If if I knew the Twins were going, if this was a June three-game series, I'd be like, hell yeah, <laughs> you know, they'll mash. But if you lose, if if it's Clevenger Brios game one, okay, and let's say the Twins lose three to two or something. Now you can't lose again. Mm-hmm. There's an inherent pressure put on there. That that's my point is if you like this idea, don't complain. Yeah. Like you as a Twins fan, if you're like this is going to be fun, yeah. You forfeited your right to complain because this is going to be um 
It's going to be very intriguing, and I do have to think that in the next CBA, while they will expand the playoffs to what we're talking about, that it's going to be an expansion that is going to at least give some type of reward in the end to the best teams. Yeah, most likely. I I, I think it's going to be a, a wacky season, but I, I'm just excited. We have baseball, and if I'm even so fortunate to go into a press box and watch baseball, I'm not going to go to my spot and, and, and hang eight stories above and watch baseball. I can't do that for more than 15 minutes, but, but what I, is I'm your, excited. It's a, it's describe, undis- your, describe your... Um, it's an undisclosed parking garage. Right, but describe this, because it seems odd. It's an undisclosed parking garage, very okay. close to Target Field. Okay. Okay, and there's an elevator that I go up. Okay. It goes up to the eighth floor. It's on the roof of the parking ramp. Sure. And then there's there's a there's a ledge that's probably about... I mean, I'm 5'10". It's probably about... You know, five foot seven. It's just I can barely get my head over it. So I, I, despite my good figure, I do have a pretty good vertical. So I have to hoist myself up. Okay. And then I kind of straddle, straddle the railing, and then I turn myself over. But I mean, I'm dangling. It, I, I am wait. one misstep away from honestly falling wait. to my death. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not following completely. So you get to your spot. Yeah. You hoist yourself up like. Yep. On your hands yep. to I hoist yourself up. up. Yep. So then, are do you sit on a rail? Yeah, it's it's a big rail. I mean, it's huge. It's a cinder block. It, it's, it's it's. But are your feet dangling? Yes. Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. Duh. That's yeah. What are you crazy? Yes. So like, if some if someone were to come and push you, you would I'd be fall. dead. I'd be a hundred percent. You're completely dead. crazy. I'd be a hundred percent. And you can't dead. hoist yourself up enough to see over the rail, but still have the protection I, of the rail. Correct. Yeah. And there, there's like there's like a gap between the railing and then the target field like cage chicken wire fence. There's about it's about probably about three feet in front of me. But I, I would die. I'd 100% die. I don't like heights. I hate heights. So I, I couldn't even, I can't even begin. But my, I love baseball. My palms, I don't care. My, you know what? Baseball does not love you. Um, my palms are sweating, as you described this. Yeah. I really hate this idea, Declan. It's a little scary. Not for you. I mean, go ahead and do it. I don't care. Right, I know. I know. Was no, a little knock scary. yourself out. Right. All right. So f- final thoughts on the uh, Twins, White Sox? Just give me all Before the baseball. Move on. Please, please, uh. Please give me all the baseball. I want my baseball. I want my claws. I want my life. I What's our summer. ESPN schedule uh, for this Friday, by the way? I think we might have a triple header front on ESPN as well. Look at you getting plugged uh, for the uh, Let's see here. The mothership. My Star Tribune has nothing. I mean, they, I, they no have, baseball? They, they have games on today. Uh, no, I, I, I got nothing. I got soccer. I don't. I got MLS listings. Well, you know, I, I, I got I, the British Masters. You know, And you know what I'm going to do, Judd? Oh, you know what? No, you know what? No, what? No, no, no. There's a game at three o'clock. I was wrong. Yep. Braves wrong and day. Wrong right. sports page. Sorry. Braves Starts and Mets. Ahead, we'll start at three. Okay. Um, Brewers Cubs at six o'clock. Okay. And then the night game will be Angels and Athletics. All right. All right. Well, but before you uh, watch those games and start to endeavor at three o'clock and probably in imbibe on this Friday, which you should, I saw my first Bond film as part of our action movie rewind. Casino Royale. We talked about. Um, a lot of thoughts. Mackie will join us for this. But before we get to AMR, Dennis Kirk has some uh, words for you through our guy, Declan Goff. Yeah, quick thank you to DennisKirk.com for supporting Score North and Mackie and Judd and my love for Daniel Craig, which you will hear in uh, this action movie rewind of Casino Royale. He's a good-looking man. He's well. He's chiseled. I'm you not know, gonna, I, I'm not going to rip you for this. I'm, I'm not an amend, but I would at least let him take me out to dinner. Uh, it is a little crazy out there, but one thing you can do is get out and ride, and Dennis Kirk will make sure your motorcycle is running and looking its best, DennisKirk.com is a Minnesota-based worldwide retailer of parts, accessories, and apparel for avid bikers of all kinds. Whether you ride a Harley, Cruiser, sports bike, dirt bike, any type of motorcycle, they have what you need. 
Over 160,000 products in stock and ready to ship today. DennisKirk.com not only offers a huge in-stock selection, but also guaranteed best prices, fast same-day shipping, and a satisfaction guarantee. They truly are the best in the business. Order by 8 p.m. and get it tomorrow. $89 order ship free, and they pay return shipping on helmets and apparel products. DennisKirk.com. Order today. Get it tomorrow. Now, I haven't just met you, like wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard. No, of course not. But it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. So as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed hearts. You noticed. Even accountants have imagination. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Hello? Who is this? The name's Bond, James Bond. Did you feel it, did you? Well, you needn't worry. The second is... Yes. Considerably. Yeah, welcome into Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into action movies. This is episode 17, gentlemen, of Action Movie Rewind. And most notably, this is a milestone here, not only in Action Movie Rewind, it's a milestone in Judd Zolgad's life. Because this is the first ever James Bond movie that Judd Zolgad has ever watched front to back. Yes. And we're going to do a dive into it. Casino Royale, 2006, the first ever Daniel Craig James Bond movie. He was scheduled, actually, the, the seventh Daniel Craig James Bond movie was supposed to come out in April, but COVID derailed it. And now it's going to come out, I don't know, probably not anytime soon. So um, I'll give the summary. And then we will sort of give the floor to Judd to start out with his initial thoughts on the first ever James Bond movie that he has watched. All right. All right. So uh, James Bond's first 007 mission takes him to Madagascar, where he is to spy on a terrorist. Not everything goes as planned, and Bond decides to investigate independently of the MI6 agency in order to track down the rest of the terrorist cell. Following a lead to the Bahamas, he encounters Demetrios. Creepy Demetrios, who's also a bad poker player, and his girlfriend, Solange. He learns that Demetrios is involved with Le Chief, a banker to the world's terrorist organizations. Secret Service intelligence reveals that Le Chief is planning to raise money in a high-stakes poker game in the Montenegro at Le Casino Royale. MI6 assigns James Bond to play against him in the poker game, knowing that if Le Chief loses, it'll destroy his entire organization. M places Bond under the watchful eye of beguiling Vesper Lind. At first skeptical of what value Vesper can provide, Bond's interest in her deepens as they brave danger together and even torture at the hands of Le Chief. In Montenegro, Bond allies himself with Mathis, MI6's local field agent, and Felix Leiter, representing the CIA. The marathon game proceeds with dirty tricks and violence, raising the stakes beyond blood money and reaching a terrifying climax. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, a $150 million budget that led to $600-plus million at the box office. 
Judd Zolgad, what was your well? What are your initial thoughts on, on my first the James Bond, Bond franchise? And then we'll get into everything else. All right, so I'm going to be very careful here because it's just clear I'm not a spy film guy. But much like people who don't like baseball, but you say, but baseball is great, right? Like baseball, I I like baseball. This is a good movie. It's just not my type of film. But that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I did think it was a little bit too long. Uh, but like it was really good. And in, in fact, it almost falls outside of the purview of what we want, because I don't know that there's that much to joke about when it comes to this film. Like it was really well done. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. really good film. But but I, I would compare my takeaway to a person who goes to a baseball game is like, I really don't like this sport. And then they often rip it like I'm not going to rip it. It sure. was really well done. I just it's not my cup of tea. No pun intended. So I love James Bond movies. I've seen every James Bond movie five to six times minimum. I've probably seen this movie 20 times. This is probably my either first or second favorite ever James Bond movie. And it's a masterpiece. Like it is it is a really good James Bond. And the Roger Moore movie. ones were more tongue in cheek, correct? They were very campy. Like, in like, fact, in this re- is not campy to me. In retrospect, like we will do another James Bond movie or two in sure. Action Movie Rewind. We should definitely do a Roger Moore one because Roger Moore ones are just like it's Roger it's Moore. an hour and a half of one liners. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. The name's Sinjin Smythe. Like he just <laughs> like everything is and then I would say even even though the Sean Connery bonds are also more of the serious tone. So Roger Moore was more of like the funny tongue-in-cheek Bond. Right. Daniel Craig and Sean Connery, definitely more like serious. Sex symbols, right? Sex symbol Bonds, but also had some charm. And Daniel Craig's personality came out in some of the other Bond movies, not as much in this one. Sure. Uh, But this is like from front to back. And, And plus, he entered this Bond franchise. He entered this with a ton of criticism, like he wasn't dark-haired, he wasn't the tall, dark James Bond that we've come oh, to know, and Pierce he, Brosnan, but right? But he's built, but he's built very well. Actually, formed ass. my first question off of this is, when, when Daniel Craig gets out of the ocean in the Bahamas, yeah, and he's got the 10-pack abs, <laughs> he's got the short, tight swim trunks, how inadequate did you guys feel? <laughs> because I felt great. <laughs> the only good thing about him is I think he is short, so he's a small guy. So like if he had size too, if if he was Clooney, then I'm done. <laughs> then I'm done. But I see he's not that big. But he was good. Now was Pierce Brosnan good as Bond? Did you like see, him? All right. So now we're. I've got like a, I'm curious about the categories. I've here, got a quickly. whole section of this podcast to, we can devote to the Bond rankings and my thoughts on all the Bonds. Okay. And if you want that right now, I think we should wait. Sure. Let's let's That's get fine. into some of the movie, and then I'll give you my take on Pierce Brosnan. I've ranked all six James Bonds, and I will give you my take on all six mm-hmm. James Bonds. Uh, Declan, what is your level of James Bond experience heading into Casino Royale here? Uh, I've seen Casino Royale. I've seen Quantum, uh, Quantum Solace, and I've seen, is it Die Another Day? Is that the last one before, Craig? I believe so, yeah. Yes, Die I've Another seen, Day was definitely a Pierce Brosnan movie. I've seen those three. Okay. Those are my knowledge. So you guys have basically no experience with James Little Bond. Little to none. <laughs> So this is so this my, is my mom loved them. I didn't watch them. That's that's basically my experience. So let's start with uh, Judd Zolgad. Your favorite part of Casino Royale? Okay, my favorite part because it was implausible, it was campy, but it was funny. Is when he gets um, poisoned and goes into cardiac arrest, right, while playing yeah. cards. Yep, and then he stumbles outside, 
And and he goes to his special bond car, which has a defibrillator in it of some sort. And he calls back to the base and they're like trying to, as he's dying, of course, walk him through how not to die and how to defibrillate him, his own heart. And he basically can't do it. And then Vesper Lynn comes out at the last second and she uses the defibrillator and it not only saves him, but he's absolutely fine. He's absolutely fine. He goes back in. He plays cards. He wins. Um, he goes out, I, I believe, with uh, Vesper after that and has a celebratory dinner. Uh, it was so implausible, but yet funny. And again, everything they did basically, I think, was pretty well done. Like it was it was off the charts goofy. But the scene was actually OK. So so my favorite part was that they they found a way to sort of have fun with that scene. And that scene itself was just like, what you know, are you doing? But, Bond, but, but it's fine. James Bond gets good. pretty lucky a couple times in this movie. Like, he should definitely be dead two or three well, times. It's another one movie. of those. Why? It's another classic. Okay. In real life, you just kill the guy. He's also smart enough to take the bullets out of the gun for some of his adversaries. Yeah, but he yeah. also dodges, again, machine gun fire. Like, everybody that we see every week now, boys. There's a scene or two with the guy being shot at, not with a gun, with a machine gun. So bullets are like, bang, 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 bang. and somehow, somehow Bond, just like um, our guy last week, John McClane, manages to dodge every bullet. Yeah, in some of the more rugged movies, like like John McClane, guys like guys like John McClane, or if it's uh, if it's Nicolas Cage in Con Air. Those guys might take a bullet shot to like the forearm or to you know, oh, like sure. to the bicep or something, Shoulder, and, maybe, and they're bleeding. James Bond is very rarely like bullet wound, shot, etc. You know, he's not like the superhuman strength guy. He's more of the he's the tactical yes. in the shadows guy. Uh, what was your favorite part of Casino Royale, Declan? I loved the initial chase scene in Uganda, like the, the basically the opening scene after Where he's the first chasing montage. after the terrorist yeah, guy, the parkour scene essentially. In fact, I would like you to rank which scene, which chase scene was better in the cat and mouse scene between. The chase in Uganda and then the airport scene in Miami when he's also trying to hunt down that guy. The airport both of them are good. really good. Yeah, the airport scene's good in that. I think I, I like the airport scene a little bit, but both are amazing. And I love that they started off like, all right, Daniel Craig's going to be the Bond. Uh, people aren't going to really buy into him. How do we get people to buy into him? And it's like, let's let's have sort of a yin and yang chase scene where he's definitely following this guy throughout some construction site, but they're both attacking the different things differently. So, right. so uh, the nimble terrorist guy jumps over and through a window at the top of the wall. Bond breaks through it, right? So we're, we're showing that Daniel Craig is not like a finesse Bond. He is a brute strength Bond. <laughs> I did love um, at the end of the second chase scene where he's trying to prevent the Sky Fleet plane from being blown to the sky at the Miami airport. He outsmarts that terrorist guy by hooking the explosive to his belt or whatever in yes. the altercation. And so this guy thinks he he got away with it, and he's got he hits the detonate button, and then starts to hear the beeping, and it's hooked to his belt. That's a great part. That's a great part. Explain to me the first chasing though, the philosophy of deciding to um to run up as high as possible to like the crane. It's like if I was being chased, I yeah. would just probably just go straight as much as possible, but flat ground. It's a good question. Like like they What's continue to go there? up yeah. the building. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. The and logic why didn't was there? Bond just sort of wait him out? He had to come down. 
That's true. If he's at the top of that crane, you don't have to go get him. I guess the I guess the thought there could be because he's working for a terrorist. Cell. I mean, I know why they did it, but does the terrorist cell have a helicopter that would have just like grabbed him off of the crane? But he then, would, of course, like now you know that there's a terrorist helicopter, you could just shoot it down. He also looked in trouble. The, terrorist the guy, terrorist guy, yeah, terrorist guy was in trouble. He right? he didn't think Bond was going to be able to keep up with him. No, but he was incorrect. And Bond did struggle a little bit. Yeah, um, I would say my favorite part of Casino Royale was. Probably the product placement. Like this is going to sound weird, but the product placement <laughs> in this movie. People, yeah, yeah. Like they they do a pretty good subtle job. But if you notice, like he's driving three or four different types of cars. They get the Ford logo zoomed in at one point. He's driving a Ford in the Bahamas. Yeah, he's using a Sony Ericsson phone, which. I don't know how much they paid for that product placement, but I don't think it really helped their causes in do the they, next three-year window with say, the iPhone coming out. Do they still exist? Does the Sony Ericsson phone still I, on the market? I'm going to guess it probably doesn't. No. There was also a moment where he's talking with Vesper, and she asks, is that a Rolex? And he says, no, it's an Omega. Yeah. And I, and I don't remember. Oh, it was a Range Rover. The Range Rover product placement where a uh, rich guy drives up to, I think he was in the Bahamas at this point. Yeah. Rich, this rich guy drives up, thinks that Bond is the valet guy, tosses him the keys, and Bond gets in, rams the car into the railing to serve two purposes. One, to say, screw you to the guy that tossed him the keys, but also, wisely, to get the security guards to come out so he could go in and review the footage of a uh, bad guy sending the ellipsis text on his Which Sony Which he did Erickson with phone. no problem, though. Like, he got into their booth to watch that film. It was like... Doesn't like is there nobody at the hotel to see him go in and be like you know no, yeah, they're all out, they're all out taking care no, of the, know, the rich like, guy like at the front desk or something wouldn't, wouldn't they see him duck in that room it was just a very interesting well I mean thing. the front desk gal probably does like what's she gonna do and she liked him too she did she, she was, was attracted to James she was into Who it wasn't honestly. a lot of great <laughs> rich people we get we got to talk about Declan's crush on Daniel Craig before we're done can we do that we'll get yeah we'll definitely get there for right, sure good um, there are a lot of just generally a lot of rich people things in this movie there's there's a ten million dollar buy in poker game. Uh, but I think my favorite rich people thing in this movie, this is sort of my like one B favorite thing, is you're you're at the Bahamas. It's obviously this like lavish resort that they're staying at, and there's a gorgeous woman riding a white horse on the beach. Like, can you think of a more rich people thing than riding a white horse on a beach on some amazing and you know what? ocean island resort? She also likes James. She uh, she did. It turned out that she liked him. Of course, then she ends up dead, but that was too bad. Did you catch the part where, so they get done doing their thing together on the floor of the hotel room. So she has now cheated on this Demetrios guy. And uh, Bond realizes now through their conversation that Demetrios is part of this terrorist group and needs to go to the Miami airport to thwart the attack on the Skyfleet plane. Mm -hmm. And so he calls down to room service and asks for a bottle of champagne. And whoever was on the phone, you couldn't hear what they were asking, but... They clearly were asking, uh, two glasses, sir? And he goes, what? No, one. one. And hangs yes. up. <laughs> and then he goes. <laughs> Very courteous of him, though. Yeah. Getting her a bottle of champagne. Oh, so he's got a big himself. budget. He His does. His budget, man. It must be really, really big. No concerns yeah, M- whatsoever. MI6 definitely. They uh, got it. Now, does he fill out expense reports? How does that work with James <laughs> Bond? When he's ordering like nine vodka martinis. Does he fill out an expense report, he, hand that in to Judy Dench at the it end? It seems of the- like he operates by, by his own expense rules, right? <laughs> like, I don't think he, I don't think he's too concerned about, about the MI6 budget. Yeah. I think he just spends it. Well, like, and the guy that tossed him the keys knows that it was him that destroyed the Range Rover. I'm assuming that was probably a rental Range Rover, but that's probably $5,000 plus of damage. Does that bill get put on the desk of Judy Dench at MI6? I don't know. 
questions that need to be answered with James Bond movies. Fair enough. All right, what was your least favorite part of Casino Royale, Judd? Okay, mm-hmm. mine is very, very simple. And it's probably going to surprise both of you guys, but it was the opening song by Chris Cornell. No! Which never bleeping ended. Top five Bond I, theme yeah. song. I don't Top need, five Bond theme I, song. Chris Cornell, don't that, you? Uh, he's okay. But anyway, it was at least four minutes, okay? Well, Let's get to a movie. You. You're, there's, what, 25 Bond movies? Let's get, they, they all have full <laughs> songs. Right, to right, start right. The- right, but McCartney, I can handle. McCartney? Okay, there's some great Bond tunes. I'm saying this is one of my... This was one where I said, okay, let's shorten this thing up. Let's go back. I really Two minutes enjoy tops. I love this I song. I loved it. Two minutes tops. It's great. No, Bond's got some great... The Bond films have some great songs. I just thought that this one, I wanted to get to the movie. Pace <laughs> a movie. Again, pace a movie. I'm not saying Cornell can't do a song at the time. I'm saying that Cornell just cut it shorter or... I will say, if, if your battle with James Bond movies is is pace of movie, you're watching a Yankees-Red Sox game that's every what I'm single saying. time you strap in for a Bond movie. But that's my point. There's not like an hour and a half snappy Bond movie. But, but they're, I can't, they're very self-congratulatory. But it would be it would be unfair for me to say it's crap because it's not. I realize it's well done. You just want to get to the... I just want to get through it sure. and, and it's not my cup of tea to sit there and watch the pitcher step off the bleep and rubber and the batter step out. You're right. It's Yankee socks da- down to the the classic heritage of the films themselves. It's Yankee socks, but they go forever. It's midnight. I want to go home. Dex, what was your least favorite part about Casino Royale? Okay, so this is really tricky because it's an integral part of the movie and it's an integral part of James Bond becoming James Bond. He's a little bit more vulnerable, right? He, he's, he's earning his stripes. He's a little more reckless. But Vesper, her decision-making honestly just kind of makes me very frustrated and how even at the end of the movie, she essentially kills herself. Like, she could have allowed herself to live, and she locks herself in the elevator shaft. Like, she purposely does that. Yeah. And then Bond, like, realize, like he's in love with this woman and then realizes, like, she's a humongous traitor, essentially. And it's just, it, it was, it's a little confusing to me because... You didn't really see it coming, sure, so it's a good part of the movie, but I, just her character frustrates me to no end. Very, very frustrating character. So I, I thought the same thing, but Phil will be very proud. I researched it and found out why, okay? Okay, yeah. Because, yes, yes, it's it's frustrating, and I didn't get it at times, and the twists and, and turns. She fell in love with Bond. She threw the key away as she's drowning because she thought that if he took the time to get her, he would drown too. She also didn't turn on him on purpose. She was trying to save her boyfriend. The the whole, whole thing about what the uh, necklace. There, yeah. There's a whole thing yep. about what does that mean, and they don't explain it. I think it was from him, and he's being held captive, and and so those guys want Bond's cash. And so she's trying to get it without screwing Bond, no pun intended, completely. <laughs> so it's a very, it's a very woven deep story. Yeah. But it, I, but it actually, in, in the spectrum of the film, it actually makes him sad. So, it does. So a lot of people are trying to get their money back from Le Chief. They feel like the money that Bond won. Which, by the way, is a great name. Le Chief. Le Chief. Sounds like a hockey With player. With his, his bloody yeah. eye. Here comes Le Chief down the left wing. <laughs> Yeah, so he so so he owed people a lot of money. So he not only did he just to like for people because like the first couple times I watched this, I wasn't totally clear on all of the different intricacies. But Le Chief is a banker for terrorist cells. So he is essentially he handles the flow of money back and forth between terrorist cells and missions and things like that. 
And what he did was he knew that there was going to be a terrorist attack on this Skyfleet plane at the Miami airport and Skyfleet stock was rising. And so he took money from the, uh, was it the Ugandans? I guess he yes. took money from the Ugandans and, and, and essentially shorted stock on Skyfleet. There's that, there's that moment at the beginning where he takes their money. He's going to invest it. And the guy on the other line of the phone goes, well, you're betting against the market. Like this Skyfleet right. stock is going up. And he says, just do it. But right? he knew something. So the problem is, obviously, if the terrorist threat had gone to plan, mm-hmm. that plane gets blown up. The stock plummets, right? Oh, my God. Like, what's wrong with Skyfleet? The stock plummets or whatever. And uh, and then these guys all make a bunch of money. Well, James Bond thwarts it. So now he needs to get into this poker game to try and win $100 million so he can you know pay his investors back. And James Bond thwarts that. So now these people all want their money, and Vesper basically Vesper was basically used as a vessel to obtain the money for these terrorists and spare James Bond's life at the end of the movie. So that's that's what happened. And she did love James Bond. She did, but but the guy who watched him and was supposed to be his ally during the poker game is the guy that screwed him completely. Because he told Felix Felix Leiter, yeah, because he told he told. Lay chief of the tell. No, who who was the guy? The, um, the oh, guy oh, who, you're, who no, was talk, with Vesper the whole you're time. You're not talking about Felix. Felix yeah. is the CIA guy. Yeah, you're, you're talking he's about, fine. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Mathis. Mathis. But Mathis, because because he then went and told Lay chief that Bond said you've got to tell. Yep. So so Bond he double crossed him. That's how Bond got eliminated the first time from the game. Yes. Thank God for rebuy poker games. By the way, you know, if you <laughs> and that guy those, got him back in right. Uh, uh, actually, it was it was Felix Leiter. Felix got, got the him back United in. States got James yeah, Bond back yeah. into the game. And so I, I did also like though that even though she like basically breaks his heart and double crosses him, he like denounces her at the end of the phone to M. Like I thought the that bitch was awesome. is dead. Yeah. Can I say this quickly though? The one thing that I didn't like about how Daniel Craig played that is is when he falls goofy in love. With her, mm-hmm. it's too much. He just he yes. resigns. He resigns as a but double. Like his char- your character, yes. to to Dex's point, his character was pretty consistent, right? He, he's he's a no BS type of guy. Um, Likes married women. It, yeah, it's a good character. Yeah, but all of a sudden, like. It's like he totally just falls yeah. goofy in love, so, and it's like, no, 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 this is not. This guy would not do that. No, but he. Do, but this is this is this is according to the Ian Fleming books. Like this is how yeah, this is Ian what happened. Got it wrong. Phil. It's, but let me explain something. <laughs> I think right? Ian screwed up. Okay, let me explain something. Rewrite. So this this movie is essentially a prequel to all of the other Bond movies because yep. the movie starts with him becoming a 007 right. agent. And and the great see we played the clip off the top where the guy you know you have to get two kills to graduate to double O status, and the guy is in the middle of the sentence saying the second kill is the toughest one to come by, and Bond cuts him off and shoots him, like, yeah, real, real tough to get that second yeah. kill. Yeah. Um. So so but part of the Bond character over time, it, like part of the reason why he treats women so terribly, is because he has this hardened shell around his heart right. from the Vesper Lind relationship. There's also like. Not all the Bond movies are like linear stories, but uh, there's one. George Lazenby was the only one-time James Bond. He played Bond after Sean Connery, but was not good enough. Like they just he he didn't really click. He was more of a model, wasn't an actor, and they voice tracked a lot of his stuff because his accent was bad. And then they brought Connery back, 
But in in George Lazenby's only Bond movie, which was called On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's like 1968 or something. That's a great title for uh, for one, by the way. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. He actually gets married. He falls in love and gets married in mm-hmm. the movie. And then she gets killed immediately after the wedding. Yes. And so there's two Bond movies of the 25 or whatever there's been. There's two Bond movies that sort of solidify why he is such a bad womanizer because he doesn't want this to I ever happen to him ever again. I just thought his character went too far. Yeah, and he would admit that at the As end you by said, saying he the resigned. Bitch is dead, yeah, right? but I mean, let's go with he falls in love. Okay, I don't need him to become a simpering wimp. <laughs> he just became so wimpy, and then he just goes back. Click on Bond again. Right. Right. So it's a great. It's a good character. We've talked about some of these poker scenes. My least favorite part about this movie, because I'm such a poker nerd, and when this movie came out, I was like playing online poker for a living, and like it's so. <laughs> the poker scenes in this movie are my least favorite part. I can understand that even as someone who's not a poker player, like I'm not a big, I, I know five card and, and I know blackjack, but Hold'em has always confused the hell out of me because it's all about basically. Hold'em's the simplest form of poker. Is though. it? Yeah. Okay. Because to me, it's so confusing. So some of the card games to me, like, ah, crap, like I don't really understand what's going so, on. So Hold'em, Hold'em is two, every player gets two cards. And then by the end of the betting rounds, there's five community cards on the table. So there's, you have two cards, there's five on the table. So there's seven total cards. And you have to make the best five card hand possible of the seven. Now, okay. then there's there's also like um, similar forms like stud. Everyone ha- everyone starts with two cards down, and then you get everyone gets dealt their own five card runs. But like I'm going to get real poker nerdy on you Go guys here. It. Okay, the things that bothered me the most in general. So the f- the first poker scene, you had this sleazy Alex Dimitrios guy who goes who goes all in in this cash game, and so he goes, I I'm all in. He's got a great hand, so he's going to go all in. He's got his trip kings or whatever. And then, and they have professional dealers. It's like a poker club, right? This is like a professional. Right. Yeah, I would assume there's like a house and stuff. This isn't like an underground game. It's at a casino. Right. He goes all in, and then he says, wait, pulls out his car keys and tosses his car keys to like his Aston Martin on the table. Yep. It's like, wait. Okay, so now what are we? There's like, is there like an extra $200,000 on the table now? And, and James Bond goes, no, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Because he's got a better hand, of course, and the the dealer tries to step in, but they they just like no, we'll just put. He the tried to in. write a check first, right? Yes, for more and, checks aren't and good. They're like no, 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 and Fine. then he puts t- his car keys. keys. Yeah, but it, it's Bond. Like that's but, he, but here, not surprising. No, but but here's here's why it's ridiculous. Like you don't have the, like you don't have what's called the nuts. The nuts in poker is the best hand on the board. So if there's you know if there's uh, if there's a flush on the board and you've got the ace of spades, like you've got the best possible flush, right? If you don't have that, don't throw in your car because somebody else could have a better hand and beat you. But when James Bond rakes the pot and says, oh, the valet ticket, that's a great scene. Or he, he asked for the valet ticket after he just just to rub it into that guy. Oh, yeah. Um, then there's the hand at the very end, like the last hand of the whole thing. And Texas Hold'em, just to put this into context, in Texas Hold'em, if you wind up with like two pair or three of a kind in a hand, like that's a really good hand in Texas Hold'em. A flush, and that depends on what the board is, but like a flush is a great hand. Full house over full house, you might you might see that once in a while. This hand was four guys all in for all of the money on the table. You had an ace high flush, you had two full houses, and then James Bond comes in with a straight flush over the top to rake the one hundred twenty million dollars or whatever it was on the table. Um, and then so like that that hand is like. First of all, it's like virtually impossible for all of those people to have those hands in that time. I would also say that 
once the first two guys are all in and there's a bigger stack in James Bond who's last to bet, Le Chief, without the best possible hand, isn't like putting all of his chips in two in a normal poker game. But like they all just went bonkers and put all their chips in. I think in. you're supposed to suspend your saying, belief during saying. the course of this entire film. But the thing that drove me the most nuts about the poker in this game was, have you guys ever heard of slow rolling no. in gambling? No. So it's something like the, the old time gamblers, like the Doyle Brunsons from back in the 70s and 80s, would literally like, like you'd get your ass kicked in the parking lot or somebody would put a shotgun to your head. So the three of us are playing poker and the hand is over and like Judge shows his hand and he's got three jacks. And he thinks like, and like no one else turns their cards over. It's like, oh, Judd, so Judd starts to like rake the pot. And then Declan comes in and he's like, actually, like, like 30 seconds later, actually, I've got three aces. And then he, so it's called slow rolling your opponent where you know that you've won, but you let them kind of think that they've won for like 20 seconds and then you flip your cards over. Yeah. This happened on every single hand, basically. They're just like taunting each other and slow rolling. That would lead to altercations, fights, especially with terrorist groups. Well, it did okay? lead to shooting. <laughs> it did. I mean, eventually it led to death, just so, not of James Bond. So I thought uh, the poker scenes. I like how that's the one the thing where you're like, that's that wasn't knew, done right. I knew there was going to be something to him with poker. The car chases were all the car chases are all plausible, especially when, when it, they put the gal in the middle of the road and Bond misses her by inches and tips his car and it flips eighteen yeah. times. Actually, and he's okay. That's the next thing we should talk about. The torture scene. Oh, God. Where Le Chief cuts the bottom of the chair out. James Bond uh, oh, is sitting that's, in the chair. That's, yeah, that's a, a walk a, in the park, man. A rope with a knot at the end. Yeah. What do you mean a walk in the park? It's a walk in the park. Lethal weapon was way worse. They shocked him with water did they running. Sh- did they, did sh- they shock did, his manhood? You don't. You didn't see it. They might have. Maybe they very they very well might have, and he killed the guy with his legs. He snapped his neck. That's what you. That's what you. Get. I think this is an athlete challenge. I think we should take <laughs> Judd Zolgad. Yeah, no, we no. Should, we should tie you up in a shower and shock you. I'm just and saying then we should take a rope to your. Not having any kids. I'm just saying if I had to rank uh, the torture scene so far that we've seen through our films, the Lashif one it hurts, but it's not the worst one. I don't know, man. Lethal weapon's the worst one to me. I uh, mean, I don't know. I got Declan's out on. They, neither one of them will be comfortable, but mm. Declan, if, if you had to choose right now, someone like a terrorist group has taken you captive. Yeah. You can either be hung from your arms straight up yep. in, a, in a shower mm-hmm. and be and, shocked, and be shocked, which would across like your torso, which would probably kill you. Shocked or OK. Shocked. Shocked. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. Down there. Honestly, I'm taking down there. Put me out. Just put I'm me taking out. down there. No, no, I'm taking that one. Put me out. You're dude. like way too quick to take the rope. To I'm, the taking the rope. I'm taking the rope. <laughs> I'm taking the rope. I'm taking the rope because it's gonna hurt like hell, but I can survive it. The shock thing. I don't thing, know I think if you would survive me. it. I feel like you'd probably bleed out too. Uh, that's the other thing. Like, you know, that's well, not that's not gonna not really cause lacerations down there. Like you just saw. I some, can't. I can't do it. Uh, I mean, he looks fine. Oh my god, he got tipped back. That that might have hurt eventually. Disgusting. Uh, Declan, this is your platform now to talk about your love for Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig is just like a badass dude, and I I want to hang out and be best friends with Daniel Craig. I don't I don't think it's too weird. I don't think I'm crossing a line. I just he seems like a guy <laughs> who can also put down some drinks, and I would love to just pick his brain. Have you guys like, seen Knives Out? I haven't. It's on. It's, it's excellent. It's, Not it's, yet. A, it's a great cast, and I really want to see it. Totally different. He plays a totally different character. He okay. plays like a Southern I, Texan. I've seen Layer Cake, which is a good Daniel Craig film. Okay. Um, but I, I, I would just love to hang out and drink and drink some cocktails with Daniel Craig. Pick his brain. Let him. Let him just 
dissect me and my poor decisions that I make. Like it could be a great two way street. Maybe I can provide some insight. To I don't Greg. think he would talk to you a lot about you. That's fine. He strikes me as a guy that would talk a lot about him. Did, didn't he? I don't know. Get he tired of the bond. He doesn't. Too? I don't know if he. I don't think he's very narcissistic in that way. He, yeah, he, he like doesn't want to so. be James Bond. He doesn't want to be James tired Bond for like three movies, but he gets twenty million. I, isn't every time. the rumor that the, the next one coming out is his last one? I think. I think it's yes. not even a rumor. I think it's pretty much confirmed. Yep. And they're trying to find a new Bond. In fact, Ooh. in fact, if you want it, there is a casting section here. Um, I read it. Yeah, it's it's filled with some pretty good names. Let me find this here real quick here because. Casino Royale. Let's go to Wikipedia because there were like there was a lot of controversy over him getting the part. He was Pierce Brosnan. This is maybe a good segue into uh, Bond rankings here, but I want to read this to you guys. So, so Pierce Brosnan's last Bond movie was 2002, and there was a four year gap before Casino Royale came out, and um, and they they went through like a bunch of different like one one of the the other lead candidates to get the the gig was Croatian actor Goran Vishnik mm-hmm. who auditioned for the role the same day as Craig but he was reportedly unable to master a British accent which is kind of key mm-hmm. um, New Zealander Carl Urban was considered but he was unable to make the screen test due to film commitments according to uh, Martin Campbell so uh, it really didn't he was not that that big then no. as far as trying to be the next James Bond if he couldn't make it correct Henry Cavill was the only other actor in serious contention for the role but at 22 years old he was considered too young Daniel Craig was in his mid 30s now Idris Elba has been the one for 10 years that's been rumored to be the one that comes oh, after nice. Bond yeah. but he's also like getting too old now yeah he's, he's up could Cavill come 50s? back no, I'm, uh, Cav- now Cavill could probably come back now yeah he's probably what 30 now he would be, uh, no, almost, be. almost 40 years yeah. old now yep and so um, this is the write-up from, here we go. This is, this is what I'm looking for. From the Daily Mail, uh, the Daily Mail, I should say. I, well, I'm butchering this. The Daily Mirror ran a front-page news story critical of Daniel Craig when he was announced as James Bond with the headline, The Name's Bland, James Bland. Uh, Craig, unlike previous actors, was not considered to be the protesters fit, protesters of him being Bond. To the tall, dark, handsome, and charismatic image of James Bond, to which viewers have become accustomed to, um, and so there were protests. There was a website that was created for like it was called like Daniel Craig is not James Bond dot com in two thousand five, <laughs> two thousand six, and so he really had to win people over with Casino Royale, and he did. Like yeah. he has become pretty widely known as thing, an excellent Bond. I've got one thing. For the first time, I believe in my life, I'm going to say this. Thank God for being able to turn on the the subtitles on my TV because I could I could not understand a large portion of what Daniel Craig w- was saying. Really? And then, then Don's like, turn on the closed cap- captioning. And I said, how do you do that? And like you couldn't understand out, his accent? Or I couldn't you? understand the words because the, the accent w- was so thick. Is it that it thick? Was, it was really well, thick let's, let's to play, me. Let's play a couple. It was really thick. I really struggled. All right. Let's, let's Early, play. and then I got it. Right, hold on a second here. Close captioning. Uh... What else can you surmise, Mr. Bond? About you, Miss Lynn? Well, your beauty's a problem. You worry you won't be taken seriously. Which one can say of any attractive woman with half a brain? True, but this one overcompensates by wearing slightly masculine clothing, being more aggressive than her female colleagues, which gives her a somewhat prickly demeanor. And ironically enough... 
makes it less likely for her to be accepted and promoted by her male superiors who mistake her insecurities for arrogance. Now, I'd have normally gone with only child, but, um... You see, by the way you ignored the quip about your parents, I'm going to have to go with orphan. Headphones on now, it's fine. Sure. At home, on the couch, <laughs> the first... And, and it wasn't... But by that point, I think it, it had cleared itself up. But the first portion of the film, I struggled. So I think we're finding that... I struggled that with his accent. Spy movies are not for Judd, and British accents are not for Judd. Well, I need the British accent just not to be too thick. We just proved that she's guilty, not that he's innocent. Yeah, like that. a double blind, keep sweating him. You don't trust anyone, do you, James? Helen Mirren. No. Then you've learnt your lesson. Get back as soon as you can. We need you. Will do. If you do need time... Why should I need more time? Job's done. The bitch is dead. James, did you ever ask yourself why you weren't killed that night? Isn't it obvious? She made a deal to spare your life in exchange for the money. I'm sure she hoped they would let her live. But she must have known she was going to her death. And now we'll never know who was behind this. The trail's gone cold. What about Judy Dench? Can you understand uh, Judy, Judy Dench? Judy 1,000%. I could, <laughs> God difference? bless yeah. her, because she speaks a little more clear. <laughs> she's just a little more clear. God. Her accent's I, perfect. I, I, she, she's got the perfect <laughs> accent for Judd. I, could, for I, Judd. I, didn't, I didn't miss a word Judy Dench said. She's fabulous. I love her. I feel like it's harder to understand people from Boston than it is to understand Daniel, Daniel Craig's I'm, British I'm, accent. I'm telling you, the first part of that film... Until Dawn came in and flipped on my closed captioning, I was struggling to understand him. Could, could, can you not figure out how to turn on the closed captioning? Did Dawn have to save the day? I didn't know how. Okay, yeah. It's a also little B good. on my remote control. Also, struggle bus. It's a little right, B right. thing because there's like an A, B, C, and D, and you got to push the B, and then you got to turn the closed captioning on. I mean, now I know, but it, but I struggled with him. Judy Dench, no problem. The best line of the movie to me was when Vesper says when they're falling in love and they've you know Bond is now like being wrapped up from his rope torture and they're about to enter the passcode into the briefcase for the money and Vesper goes if all that was left of you was your smile and your little finger you'd still be more of a man than anyone I've ever met and Bond leans in and goes that's because you know what I can do with my little finger. <laughs> that was a good line. That's a pretty awesome line. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, but, I dug but, it. But of course, he was becoming a wimp then too for a while, so I didn't like he that. He snapped out much. of it. I know, but it. it was like when when Fonzie lost his cool. <laughs> it's like this isn't the Fonzie I know. That's not the Bond I know. <laughs> plus, you got it. Plus, he's cynical about everybody, and all of a sudden, she's like. She was too good to be true. Yeah. Well, every once in, I think every every she like once every decade, you need Bond to catch some feelings just to add a layer to his character. Uh, so just real quick, the Bond rankings. All right. I'm yeah. going to give you guys the definitive. I'm going right. to give you two lists real quick here. Okay. I'm going to give you the five best Bond movies, in my opinion, and then I'm going to rank the six Bonds in order. So uh, I, I'm not putting these five movies in any order. I think if you if if you're a fledgling James Bond viewer, you start with any of these five and bounce around. And these are sort of the five definitive Bond movies for me. Uh, two Daniel Craig movies, Casino Royale and Skyfall, are both excellent. Uh, Goldfinger and Skyfall's not that old, right? Skyfall's about 2012, I want to okay, say, that's somewhere there. Okay. Goldfinger and From Russia with Love are, for my money, the two best Sean Connery James Bond movies. Okay. And then the the Roger Moore movie I like the most is The Spy Who Loved Me. So if we're going to do another Bond movie at some point, it'll probably be a Roger Moore movie just to get the polar opposite, like tongue in cheek. Different things to make fun of, like 70s clothing styles, etc. The Bond rankings for me, number one, Sean Connery. He's just the icon, the legend. And then he went on to play the same character in The Rock in the mid-90s, which has gone <laughs> yeah. under the radar. It's my theory. Number two is Daniel Craig. I think he's the second best James Bond of all time. 
And where his character goes from this movie, he adds more humor to it. He adds more tongue in cheek. Like it just, it becomes a more fuller character after this movie. Number three, Roger Moore for his own style. Number four, the most disappointing Bond is Pierce Brosnan. To yes. answer your question from earlier. Thank you. Pierce Brosnan what happened? was targeted to be James Bond after Roger Moore in the 80s, but he was part of, I think, an NBC Remington Steel. show. Remington Steel. Yep. And he c- couldn't get out of his Remington Steel contract yep. to, to do James Bond movies. And so they went to Timothy Dalton for two Bond movies, which were pretty good, They were, but they were more like 80s action movies than they were Bond movies. Okay. And so I like Timothy Dalton. I would actually maybe put him above Pierce Brosnan, but Brosnan did. Brosnan was more of a Bond than than Dalton. And then George Lazenby six, but Brosnan came in, did four blockbuster Bonds, was kind of a combination of like tongue in cheek but serious. But the movies were so hokey. It was like invisible cars and weird villains, and so it's it not Pierce's fault. I don't know. A little bit. The I, writing you didn't like more than was the fine. character. They just felt like sort of campy action movies. They didn't feel like they were big, but for my money, he's fourth on this list. It's okay. Sean Connery, Daniel All Craig, right. Roger Moore, and Pierce Brosnan. Really quick, rapid fire guys that you would want to see be Bond, because I have a list of best-looking oh IMDb God, guys There's, under 40. It's got <laughs> to be British people. I don't know enough British okay. actors. To be. I mean, Idris Elba would have been amazing like five or ten years well, ago and would have been the first black Bond. I think one that could be good would be Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Hemsworth could be one. Um, these some of these guys are American, but Chris Evans, yeah, okay, I could I could see that. Ryan Gosling, you think he has enough action in him? Oh, he does. He has he has a lot of the Bond poise, but does he have like the brute and in like? Strength? I don't think I think Ryan Gosling's an interesting one, but I I don't know. Like he'd have to nail the accent. Yeah, I almost feel like he's too famous now. It's got to be someone who's a little bit more under the radar that becomes famous because of their character. Chris Pine, nah, no. <laughs> This is going down great, guys. Like, like how it feels like. Yeah, no. No, just to be kind, no. I think that's mostly my list. Okay. Here. I don't know. I, it's, it's probably going to be somebody that we've like that we're not super familiar with. An unknown Gosling would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. But he was known at like age 20. Right, but I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that could work because I, I think he could do the accent. I think it's got to be. He a, can act. It's got to be someone from the other side of the pond, though. Like, I don't. Okay. I, I just don't look know if an you, American makes Look sense. at you sticking to the staples a, of the. It's a British hey. film series. You know, I thought Craig couldn't do it. He was brilliant. Yeah, but at he least said, he spoke so. the language. Well, I know. At least, I know. Well, according but I'm to saying, me, man, he, he didn't speak the language for you. I couldn't understand him. <laughs> you know what I want? An American James he Bond. Like, I want an American James Bond. <laughs> Clooney as, as James Bond. You know what? Ben Affleck, because he talks slow, too. <laughs> oh, hey, God. Hey, stop right there. You're beautiful. I'm trying to envision Judd like, on the phone with AT&T or Xfinity support, and Daniel Craig gets on the line to help him, and Judd's like, I can't understand the guy on the well, other side of the phone. Well, then I would tell Don, come in here and put the closed captioning on the phone Go on. to the settings. The settings. It's on your men- It's under the menu button. What? I'm just what telling you, you, go I back and watch the you. first part of that film, and it's hard to understand him. I think it cleared itself up. I think he started to uh, work things out. Amazing. All right, definitive bad guy rankings. Le Chief is our candidate here. So to this point, Hans Gruber from Die Hard is number one. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air is number two. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse is number three. Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon is four. Ivan Drago from Rocky Four is fifth. And then we have a whole host of others. Uh, what's, your, what's your instinct here for where to put Le Chief? Toward the top? Toward the bottom? I would put uh, Le Chief towards the bottom of the pool that you just gave us. Okay. I would put him behind Drago, probably. It's, it's a good character. It's a good bad guy. Um, I can't tell you that I hated him that much, though. I, I, so this might shock you. I would put him like maybe toward the bottom five of our entire list, actually. 
because like, he's just he wound up just being kind of a weakling. He was he was bad at everything, right? He was he was bad at coordinating a terrorist well, attack. He was bad at finishing off a poker and the real game. Ba- bad guy is the guy that Bond goes and gets Mr. The end. Mr. White. Yeah, yeah, he's the real bad guy. Like like Lashif started just a pawn for yeah. for the for the gangsters. So I, because of all that, and, and you're right, like Lashif is the main bad guy in the movie, but he's kind of a pawn for like the the terrorist cells yeah. and stuff. I just, he, he, you know, he, he was, a, as far as like being a good actor and playing the part that he was supposed to play, he was good. It's a great name, by the way, too, though. Let's not, let's not forget Lashif is one of the great Lashif. names that we have talked about. I, I don't think he can be higher than the aliens in Independence Day. Okay. I'm fine I with that. I think he's below the aliens in Independence Day. Okay. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. After Drago, I really don't care. Okay. Like, it's just a mismatch yeah. then. Um, All right. One through ten Seagull rankings. How many Seagulls would you give Casino Royale? Judd Zilgat. Okay, I'm going to, because because the film's not really up my alley, but I realize that it is good, uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Yeah, because the context of this is, like, a ten for Action Movie Rewind is the, it's a, it's a great combination of, like, Corny action. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not necessarily like an Academy Award point, one through ten, right? It, this this was socks yanks in June. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a solid game, yeah, yeah. but it, it's a little too long, and I really didn't like that. So seven for me. Dex. Yeah, I have it as a seven out of ten. It, it it doesn't necessarily fit our complete action movie review guidelines, but it is an epic film in my opinion, and and it's pretty. Even though it's long, I think it's pretty captivating. So I, I would give it a seven out of ten. Uh, and it is it is legitimately one of my ten favorite movies of all time. I really I love this movie. I love Daniel Craig. I love Bond movies. Uh, for the purposes of action movie rewind, it's a seven and a half. It's a seven and a half. <laughs> there's not to me. There's not enough things to make fun of, and I think right. things to make fun of has to be part of our criteria here. Yep. And so uh, with with that, the composite score is a seven point two, which puts the rankings like this: Die Hard, Commando. Expendables, Roadhouse, and Hard to Kill are the top five. Rocky Four, Independence Day, Point Break, Lethal Weapon, and Casino Royale round out the top ten. Woo! So there it is. Action Movie Rewind. Judd Zolget, it's your turn to pick for next week. Okay, so I teased last week the possibility of a sequel. And I am going to go with an actor who we have seen before. It's not a sequel, but it really is in some ways. It's short and it's sweet. Released in 1991, running time 91 minutes, out for justice with Steven Seagal. We're going back to the fun factory, boys. We're going back to the fun factory. I make no promises, but it's filled. It's filled with great Seagal one-liners, and um, it's pretty awful at times, but that's what makes it so good. But the greatest thing, again, running time 91 minutes. Getting back to the basics. Back to the... Right. Uh, we're going back to, the, we're going back to what made us. All right. That's a wrap on Action Movie Rewind. And we love it when because a lot of... The, you've, you guys have made the listeners. You've made this the most downloaded episode of Mackie and Judd every week when we post these on Fridays. And so hit us up on Twitter, at Phil Mackie, at Jay Zolgad, at Dex's Tweets. And we would love to uh, hear your thoughts on the movies that we've been reviewing and suggestions for movies we should dive into. Hello? Mr. White, who is this? The name's Bond, James Bond. Time to wrap with Royce. He is always on Fridays. Patrick, what's going on? Ah, uh, supposed to be a steamer today. 
Yeah, I know. We're getting getting back to hot and humid after a couple of nice days of reprieve. I like those days more. But uh, so I discovered a couple of things last night watching baseball. Yep. I don't have this screaming thing down to a science because I was watching the game and then I turned it off. And when I came back, I was in the same place, apparently, but I didn't realize this. And I was wondering why is this game on replay, as I told you. Yes. You know, it was actually, I apparently, when I had it off for 40 minutes, it stayed right where it was. So I missed like a half hour or something. I don't know. Anyway, the, uh, here's the other thing I discovered. It's really hard to pay as much attention when they don't have people there. It's, uh, you know, the like you're watching and you're maybe reading a little something and, you know, you rely on crowd reaction, right, to yes. uh, help you build up and look over and get interested. And you can just kind of drift off and not know anything's happening else at all because, of course, if A-Rod's on the game, you can't listen to it. No human being can listen to A-Rod. <laughs> what a moron this <laughs> is. Uh, you can't listen to him. He's it's, terrible, Pat. Oh, there, there's nothing there. There's nothing. He, I, you know what his prep time is? Four minutes. He walks in and he just says ridiculous stuff. Uh, bring back Jessica. What happened to her? She's better than this guy. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, John, as you pointed out, trying to have Eduardo and Timmy and uh, the play-by-play guy at three different locations doing the game was just disaster yesterday a, a big highfalutin outfit like espn can't they have some kind of a system that you know when the other guy's gonna talk you would think so you know what i'd like how why can't they have a system where they all get them socially distanced in the same place i realize it might not be the ballpark but but that's the thing is trying to have three people at home and yeah. three and why three just if it's going to be that keep it a two yeah I don't I get it. To, I listened to Gladdy and uh, Probus for a while on uh, the other night when they had the Cubs game on. Yes. I was mm-hmm. in the corner, and it's, uh, it's pretty seamless. You don't really know. But they're a target field together, yeah, so they know, can, you know, right. that's, that's see each other. They're making. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they, you know, that's what you got to have. But ESPN apparently, uh, I don't know, they do keep to have everybody in. Bristol or New York or someplace. I, I don't know. Well, and then explain this. Why do you get, you know, Matt Chapman of the A's on a Zoom? So now you got a fourth a person, and they're trying to ask questions. And, and at that point in time, the game becomes completely secondary. Yes, it does. And when they have a guy like Chapman on, they should just have the, the one person carry the interview. Yeah. Yes. To try to have three, to try to have him wait to see who's talking to him. You can't have Jimmy saying, I got a question for him, but I got to wait here, so now I'm going to have a 10-second pause before I ask my question. And then just when I decide, okay, I should ask my question, somebody else says, oh, I better ask a question here. We have this dead time. So yes. it, was a, it was pretty much a joke. Uh, and uh, how about that giant lineup? Oh. God, oh. are these guys? Oh. Who are they? Why did they lift Brandon Crawford? And I get it, it was because of a matchup, but they suck. Why are you lifting <laughs> Brandon Crawford? Their infield looked as inept as you could possibly look after that last night. Oh, they were. 
Oh. I mean, they're just, they're terrible. Uh, who are they? I, you know, well, Posey's not playing. He's on the, what's he, did he take off? Did he, he opted out. He, he opted, opted out. He's not playing. So he's, he's showing the team and he's the hell of it. And uh, what, you got a baby coming or something? Yeah, they just adopted a kid. They adopted, adopted two premature yeah. girls. Yeah, but this was a good excuse. Those kids yes. were a great excuse to do what Royce just said, which is, this team's awful. I'm not going to waste. I've made a lot of money in my life. I'm going to get, I'm only going to get 37% of what I'm due. And uh, I don't, I don't know, they can let somebody else catch. And uh, what a terrible team. I made it through seven of that be, game. That was it for me. They're going to be 12 and 48. They're horrible. They're yes. Worse than the Tigers. Yes, they are. They're awful, and I think it's going to be very much on purpose. Hey, your yeah. thoughts Your thoughts on on the fact that we found out on opening day that baseball has decided to expand its playoff field from 10 <laughs> to 16 teams. Uh, unbelievable. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, where did 16 come from? It was, it was down to 14, and now... Now, if I have the best record in baseball, I play a three-game series against uh, against somebody, and, and I, I could be gone after three games. It's unbelievable. You know, at least when they're going to give a couple of buys to the best teams. Uh, and, but yes. two and a half, three? How about the fact that all the games are uh, in the ballpark of one team, whoever? So, but, so one... The one seed has no greater advantage than the four seed, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, because they're all in their ballpark. The three game series. And this has got something to do with TV, huh? They think that TV will get more money if they can give more playoff games. Yeah. In the middle of the football season, what the hell does TV go? I think I think this is the goal of the future, and they're trying to start it now. And yeah, I just yes, I'm just amazed by by. The fact that, to your point, they didn't at least give out a couple buys because now I could be, I could win 50, 50 and 10, and I have one bad yeah. week. I'm going home. One bad week, three straight games. Yeah, that's you what know, I'm saying. <laughs> you can have a bad 72 hours and you're done. It's, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's all contrived, but it's all, this is all, this is all Manfred's vision of the future. 60, you can't, if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. You have to play a 140 game season or something. You can't play 162 games to determine nothing. Yeah, who gets yeah. who gets home field advantage for a three? You know, in this year, I'll let them do anything they want to, right? Any silliness they want to, mm-hmm. but you can't play 162 games to say, "Oh, good for you! You now get home field for three games." That. There's got to be a greater advantage than that, right? I would think so. Yeah, unbelievable. So, Pat, when the Yankees finish with the number one record in baseball and the Twins are number two, they'll still pick the Twins to uh, be their opponent because I know they get to pick their opponent. No, no, they don't. They don't get to it's pick one, It's one, eight, two, seven. They talked about that. I thought they got to pick yeah. opponents. No, they talked about it. They're not going to allow that. It's one, eight, two, seven. Blah blah blah. Okay, okay. That well, that's was when bad. they were talking. Uh, that was when they were talking something else. I guess. Yeah. That's uh, boy. Are they. I don't know who his who's his twenty uh, five year old Yale graduates are who are selling them all this crap, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be uh, brutal. By the way, yeah, uh, this morning at twelve fourteen a.m. I looked it up was the one year anniversary of uh, fourteen to twelve. 
this is uh, the really? Yankees. Oh, and that yeah. was the 10th inning. So that exciting 10th inning we had, uh, what would have it, it been like if we put the guy on second to start the 10th? Yeah, it's, yeah. Then they, then the, twi- then the Yankees instead of scoring two runs would have punted a guy over, right? Mm-hmm. They would have punted him over, tried to score one run. Aaron uh, Whitefield would have played a key role as the guy on second yeah. base, pinch running for the Twins. Aaron in his one ninety seven average at Fort Myers and, and Pensacola last year. Uh, but I guess for two weeks they're going to move the game to pitch running. If somebody leads off, you know, if Nelson Cruz or uh, somebody yeah. leads off the tenth. Now, what? Who goes to second? The next batter. The last out of the previous inning. So the last guy to make the out in the ninth goes to second. Okay. But you can pinch if it's Miguel. I can then pinch run for him. Miguel's okay. done, and Whitefield runs for him. Okay, I say, and then what's the, the pinch runner? Then makes a lot more sense because you got to come all the way around for that guy to bat again. Then. So you correct. Now, of course, but if I pitch run for him, I got to take him off the field. I mean, I then, He's out. then then do I? I probably don't lose the DH though, right? If I if I'm running for the DH, I, I probably don't. Lose no, the I think DH. he just becomes. My, my guess is with this rule, he just somebody becomes else, the DH. Somebody else comes and hits. Uh, how about the fact you got a thirty player roster and two catchers? Yeah, <laughs> two catchers. Guardy would never have allowed this, Patrick. No, no. <laughs> As a guy who grew up with the game, when you always had a third catcher, it's uh, it's phenomenal to me that they would. You know, now I don't see Aaron long term. Do you? Once no, they, uh, once no. they tighten up the roster, it's coming down to twenty six and then tw- twenty six or twenty eight and then twenty six, right? Hey, you know how we said when uh, Miguel got the virus. Yep. Who would have you had? And you know, in in the betting pool for the Twins. He was a two to five. You know, you would only you want you would only make two dollars and ten cents on a two dollar bet on Miguel, right? Yes. You would. You know, would have been the lowest odds. Who were your lowest odds for the Nats after what you've seen from a distance from the Nationals? Oh, after uh, Soto, Soto has it. Yeah, absolutely, Soto. You think that you could keep a uh, you, you could keep this kid? From uh, in the hotel room for uh, a couple of weeks. I don't think so. I think when he's the he's the biggest celebrity in Washington D.C., he might uh, he might have had some adventures while he was gone. How about that one though? I've, what what are they going to do if uh, if, uh, <laughs> eight, eight, if eight teammates have him? Here, here's my my favorite part is we're not going to find out till Saturday. Because the testing had to go from Washington to Utah, and then they're not going to find out immediately. So if if these guys got it, they're spreading it all over right now till Saturday. Yeah, but if if you played a game, yeah, if you if you played a game, uh, and and you're sending your samples to Salt Lake, you know maybe they should put that batch ahead of everybody else and and get the results in like the next hour. That's right? not how Rob likes to do things, Patrick. No, no, this is a very fair system. Hey, hey, did you did you see who was the crew chief and had the plate in the Garrett Cole Scherzer matchup last yeah. night to open the baseball season? Did you see who the home plate umpire was? Was it Angel? Angel Hernandez and they had That's to right. they were showing I the strike zone. His, <laughs> I wonder I wonder why he had his mask over his eyes. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable! Yeah, he missed a few. I saw. I saw that. I didn't know it was him, but uh, 
uh, it, uh, you know, how about that ball? Carlos Stanton had. Oh, cow. Was it flattened? Did they, they showed it up there, sitting up there, and it looked like it was flattened. I was hoping to hear a Scherzer f bomb through the through the TV mic. Hey, you see oh, how yeah. skinny he is, Scherzer? No, Stanton. You see how skinny he's gotten? Yeah, he's Jeez, in shape, man. he's in shape. But that that was some bat speed there, baby. Going all mighty. Uh, you know, if he uh, if he stops being a stiff, who strikes <laughs> out forty five percent of the time, that'll be a pretty good lineup. Hey, last thing. Is the state amateur baseball tournament in New Ulm in trouble now? I saw your tweets yeah, this morning. Not, they're going to pull the plug. Yeah. The city council is having a. They only voted three to two last time. Yeah. And now Brown County, the, they haven't had many cases, but they have more than they had. And the 15 physicians of New Ulm, 15 physicians of New Ulm, sent a letter to the city council trying to get them to cancel the thing. And, uh, yeah, they're going to pull the plug. It's, uh, it's, uh, they got a council meeting today at 430. They're going to pull the plug. It will be played somewhere else in smaller towns where we don't have to put up with a city council. Okay. So they're going to do it. They're just going to have to move it. They're going to have to move it. They're going to probably have to play it in uh, under less, you know, you know, different conditions, uh, you know, they won't make such a big deal about it. They won't be able to have the infrastructure they were going to have it with all of them. But uh, it'll, I think we'll find out Saturday that it's going to probably be in three or four little towns, maybe with a little bit of a different schedule. But they, they, they still plan to play, I, I think. That, I don't think they're shocked that this happened because actually the Minnesota, the Minnesota Baseball Association board, I wouldn't say strong-armed them, but certainly put a lot of this. They decided to go ahead. When was it? No, June 17th. June 17th. So however long it is. And, yeah, a month ago. And they uh, and they they kind of strong-armed them to, to, to have it, to hold it. And and so they, because they, the baseball board was ready to not have it, too, because they couldn't sell that program ads, you know, because they sponsorships, because they didn't know they were having it, and they were going to lose a lot of money. But uh, the city council is going to vote it the other way, and uh, they're going to not have it at all. But they'll have it someplace. Thank you, sir. Stay cool this weekend. Talk to you later, Pat. Uh, all righty. See you. Bye-bye. All right, that is, as we always do, what, three times a week now on Mackie and Judd? We yep. wrap with a Patrick Royce. That is it for us. Hey, on Monday we will have not one, not two, but three Twins White Sox games to talk about. I thought that we might be panicked, but now, I mean, the Twins, it would take an act of God to miss the, the playoffs. Da, 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 da. I could put together a team right now don't, and don't enter the it. season and make these playoffs. Okay, it's 16 don't. teams, so the Twins have no chance of missing the playoffs. They're, they're shoe-ins. They are shoe-ins. It is, if they don't make the playoffs, everyone's gone. I don't care who you are. We will uh, talk to you on Monday. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.